0: Hello, and welcome to the Loft Gathering Podcast. We will be talking about the contents of our mind, mouth, attitude, and life actions, and how these are the staples to further understand our authority in God's kingdom. Get ready to have your thinking challenged and your faith turned up. Here's Lisa. Love that time and that season in worship when you can just get before God. It's like sitting next to a deep well and resting. You know, it's just good for the soul that lifts you. God, we just love you and ask you to come and get in the middle of this time that we just carry on our same stance of worship and praise and offering ourselves, God, before you as your word is spoken. And as we look to you, the author and finisher of us, God, for every single bit of life. Get in the middle of us today, God. We invite you. Whew. So a couple things I was going to tell you before I jump into this message, you know. The ladies of the loft are going to start meeting, inspired by the men of the loft, who already meet, every Wednesday night at 6.30. And we're going to meet... couple times. Is it first and first and third Wednesdays? So we're going to have first and third Wednesdays, I think. And uh, Christine went downstairs with the babies, so she knows everything. But we're going to start meeting in September. And I'm telling you now, because I want you to start praying, ladies. You know, I want you to start praying about what God wants to say during this season. You know, because I've, I can see vision for things in this in the city and in this area, but it, it takes a village to make it come to pass. So see if God would have you be part of that. They'll be at 6.30 and that's where you, you can learn things sitting here, but you'll grow in a circle. You will, you will grow looking across the room and you'll grow, you'll grow here too. You would, we wouldn't keep doing this if you didn't, but there's something about somebody knowing you and knowing your life and being there to check in on you throughout the week. I th- we call it, what's that word? A community community. It's a good word. And we have that. So that's coming up. And then Scott and I had on our heart to spend a day with married couples. And, you know, I mean, I'm wondering who wants to be part of that and hang out. I've had, you know, so far there's three couples that are going to be there. And that's that's a group of six. That is a great conversation. So I'm fine with that. But if you want to come and hang out on a Saturday, talk about your marriage and minister to your partner and It's the greatest relationship you're going to have this side of heaven. So just, I invite you to come and and be part of it. It's going to be a lot of interaction between the two of you. And um, then we're going to go out for dinner. And then we're going to have, you know, some sexy time that evening. I'm just saying it's going to be good. Can you say that in church? I don't know. It's going to be great. So anyway, tell your your married friends to, um, and it's going to be great. So I think it's going to be a couple hundred bucks, though, because we have a hotel overnight. So you can start making payments right now for that. It doesn't have to be paid off until the middle of September or something. So it's good. These are investments that we make in the relationships that matter the most. So I encourage you to get in that and be part of that. So I'm not sure exactly what we did with our fundraiser. A couple hundred bucks, I think we raised last week, and then we got down, a downpour of rain. So it was, it was incredible. Right at the end, when it was time to go, we got a downpour of rain. Some of the guys, Mark Port, where's Mark? Mark was so drenched. He looked like he stood in a lake and stood up. I mean, it was just like dripping. And a lot of us were pretty sick putting away tables at that time, but kind of amazing. Also, another good thing I wanted to let you know, um, Gina and Whitney, who come to church with us, got to bring their baby home. I know. He's, he was born in NICU, and I don't know how many days exactly he was there, but he was, came in at two pounds and went out over five and he's doing really good. So praise God for that. Do we have a, a picture? I thought you might have a picture. Anyway, that's enough. So without further ado, just, just posture your heart and fix your eyes to hear something from him. You know, I know you come in here and you like to hear stuff from me. And I, I told you we've got a lineup of different people speaking this summer. And it's going to be a great time. But I felt like this would be a word for today for us. And we titled it Even When It Hurts. And I sent Stacey a a picture of a tiny little Lego man in one of those hydraulic presses that she was talking about a few weeks ago, but she came up with this instead. Because it's like, we have to, look, we all are dysfunctional. This is our dysfunctional humor at its best right in front of you, but sometimes you do feel like your head is gonna come clean off, you know? And there's Darth Vader, just like, you know, like, I don't know, I don't know who's, who's a fan of who, so I better be careful what I say. But you know, it's like it's like the enemy will always come and try to make you think that you're less than you are. And bring just like an onslaught of things. And and in the kingdom of God, I mean, I've been a Christian a long time. A lot longer than I haven't been, I have been in my life now. So I've been a Christian over 35 years, 36 years, you know. And I mean, there's things that come automatically when you come into the knowledge of God and like like his love. Like once you experience that, it comes like instantly and you feel it and it's like, all the way, it washes all the way into your soul. And it stays, like, forever. It's, like, instant. And this forgiveness is kind of the same way. It's like one of those, we call them aha moments, or, like, you have an epiphany where, like, oh, man, oh, all that, all the stuff that I did, and I can lay that at your feet, and then I can be washed clean of that? And you have, like, this whoa, it's kind of just, like, whoa moment. And you, and you get that immediately, and it stays permanently. The forgiveness of God. Isn't that powerful? Salvation is like that. These things come instantly as soon as your eyes are open. Now, to the world, the things we're talking about seem foolish because the world doesn't have uh, their eyes open to what's happened. I used to be part of the world. I understand clearly. I used to be that, and now I'm this. Something in the middle happened. It was God getting a hold of my heart and soul and putting his love and his approval and his forgiveness and his salvation on me instantly, automatically. And I praise him forever for it. Everything else besides those few things in my experience is a process. Everything else. We're talking about the fruit of the spirit. That does not come instantly. That comes by long suffering and long times of seasons in the word and lots and lots of repentance and lots of worship over and over and over again. And then you have this much but you're connected to the source that has everything. So the process is long. It's your lifetime, you know? (sighs) Pieces like that. I mean, everything that you can think of besides those few things that God gives instantaneously are a process and we have to commit ourselves to the process and then walk it out. Faith is a process. You don't just step up and have faith, you know? And if you've been doing this thing, the God thing for a while, I'm just gonna tell you, you know, where I'm at, you know, there's times when I'll be like, okay, God, did you see all those tears that I cried? Did you hear all the whispers I spoke into this altar right here and to unto the pews? I've probably laid on most of these seats now, they're not pews, but I lay on them and cry on them. Those stains are my mascara on there, crying. Did you hear me, God? Did you hear what I was saying when I was holding on to the legs of the chair? And begging you. And I'll be like, it's your turn. is how I talk to God. And he never strikes me dead. It's amazing. Uh, He thinks of me as like his little girl. And it's like, okay, I heard what you said. And there's a time for crying. And there's a time to hand a tissue. And then there's a time to get up, you know. So while you're in the process of becoming Christ-like, do you ever ask that question? Why do good things happen to bad people? And why do bad things happen to good people? Do you ever ask God that? Because I do. I'll be like, seriously, God? You know. And, and you, you know what that is? That's being judgy. We would never call it that, you know, because we're in church. But it's when you look at somebody else and you're and you're saying, are you serious, God? How do they get away with that? Well, that's the big word of grace. You have a different kind of grace, you know. We're, we're talking about banners to put on the side of the church and, you know, because you So many people drive by, it'd just be great to have some kind of sign, which we did come up with something. But in the first draft of signs, it was going to be, the world would be better if you would recognize your own BS. But we thought it was a church. We probably shouldn't put that. (laughs) I know, it's offensive, right? Your own BS isn't offensive, but the sign is. Right? So we came up with something else that's going to say, I see you, I know you, I love you, God. It's coming, you'll see it here in a few weeks. Because that's what it comes down to, you gotta wade through the flesh in the process of figuring out what God wants to say to people and then say that, right? Do you ever, do you ever ask a question like, God, I am so tired if are you going to renew my strength? Because I just went on vacation a couple weeks ago, so my body is rested, but I'm so tired on the inside. If you don't do something, I feel like I'm just gonna perish. Now I'm a little dramatic. I have a flair for the dramatic, and I understand that many of you do as well. But it's like, God, I'm I'm tired. Do you ever just get there? Do you ever just feel crushed? And the Bible says we're pressed but not crushed. And I'll be like, Lord, are you sure? You know, what's the difference between a hard press and a crush? Some things are made to be crushed. I mean, you think about the fruit of the Spirit. You think, I, I want to be an orange. I just want to be an orange slice. I don't want to be a grape. Well, they get squished too, don't they? Orange juice. But it's like grapes are made for crushing. They're made for it. They're, they're supposed to be crushed. And that produces the fruit, juice, and the wine, Right? Are people supposed to be crushed? Look, they're not supposed to be crushed by you. And then we get this other thing we do as Christians. While people are in a process, in every direction people are in a process. And you, friends, are the light of the world. You know? You're the salt that goes on the potato, if you still eat those. You know, you are the salt. You are the light. You're a city on a hill. But we look in every direction and we think, hmm, I wonder what they did to be going through that. And that would be a Christian, but not a disciple. Because a disciple would know the book of Job near the middle. And everything that he went through. And everything that he endured. And he was righteous. And then we could consider our Lord, Jesus, who endured a cross. And he certainly was righteous. Sometimes God sets up and orchestrates things for us to go through intentionally for the crushing. And you're like, it's not because he's sadistic. It's because you will be better on the other side with the goodness and mercy following you mm Lord somebody say Lord speak to me speak to I think grief is probably the cruelest source of of pain if you've ever anybody ever had pain in their life a couple of us physical pain I'm dealing with that too emotional pain spiritual pain it's like a thing you know when you have pain it's almost I think, I was going to say grief, I think is like the cruelest of pain because it's it doesn't have any uh, prejudice and it, it'll just go wherever it wants, whenever it wants. And just about the time you feel like you're healed, there's another wave. You know, you've you lost something that you had before. You know how you feel when you're trying to find like, I don't know, something, You're you're trying to find something. Right now we're trying to find a bag of swimsuits. It's not a big deal. But the frustration and aggravation is like, where is it? Where is that bag? And you know what, did anybody ever feel that way? TJ, I know you know, keys, where are my keys? It's like, where are my keys again? And it's like that feeling, when a person goes, it's that feeling like a zillion times. You just, you, you have no words. You lose everything, you're just lost, you know? A divorce is the same way. It's like loss, it's grieving and it's painful. But there's so many kinds of levels of pain that we go through and I, you know, when I was a kid, I could see hurting relationships in every direction. And sometimes you get up here and you speak like this every week and everybody thinks my life is unicorns and rainbows. And it's not. You know, today I wore white because the good guys wear white. I'm just speaking in my own life. The good guys wear white. And it's like, come on, Lord, you know, anything you can you speak to my life, get my people next to me today, swords up, shields up, you know. Because I feel it. I feel the enemy coming. I'm going to break down the week, But I just want to tell you in my past, in my childhood and in my youth in every direction there was pain you know I lived with a with a stepfather who was a paranoid schizophrenic who served in combat suffered from PTSD and would would imagine he was paranoid so he thought the Vietnamese were after us all the time we had to move all the time He'd he'd see us and think we're Viet Viet Cong and there'd be like this explosive Time in our home My mom was a victim all those years you know, Steady and steadfast and loved him And raised us and was tender toward us But a victim in that situation And I watched her until Jesus came In her life And then the whole thing began to change And switch And, And the power of God to transform life Began to be happening in front of our lives And it's a process and it was for her too I was already well on my way to rebellion by then. So then I grew up rebellious, you know, drinking, promiscuous, drugs were part of our lives. I mean, Scott, he's an alcoholic, rock musician. I mean, we were the perfect match. Why am I telling you all this? Look, I know what pain is. And I remember, I remember the suffering at the hands of people. And I remember what happened when Jesus came and began to turn my life with forgiveness and love and mercy and all the good things. And so I don't I have really little judgment. I have a huge grace for people. Now I can see past people to the sin that plagues and separates you from God. And man, I can come with the sword and spirit and help you divide that if you want to. But I know what pain is. I remember the emotional pain of the abuses that I suffered, you know. Different families have different courses of suffering that they go through. Like for example, some families have the coping mechanism of drugs or alcohol use. It's in their family. The generation before and the generation before. And then sometimes you even get saved and then you, you try to, you know, you try to like sanctify it a little bit and get addicted to like pain meds or something. You know, to, some, but it's still there and it's, it's, it runs its course through families. I'm gonna call it curses that land on families. Sometimes there's extreme poverty. It's like you can never have enough money no matter who's working and how much. Get every government handout you can, and it still isn't enough. It's like poverty sliced your life in every direction. All the furniture is 50 years old. it got a hand-me-down from a hand-me-down. Everything is broken. You can't keep anything new. Never put together. And alongside of that, usually those people are irritable and crabby because of the circumstances and the condition they find. It just, like, runs through their family, the generation before and the next one and the next one. You know, some people have mental illness. It's like... One generation to the next, you know, we have one thing and then another thing and another thing. And sometimes they're all schizophrenic or they all have multiple personality or they all deal with something. Do you know what I'm saying? Some people are so intelligent, they'll give themselves to their job, their whole family, successful CEO, doctor, lawyer, and they have all the money in the world, but they have no relationship. And they're committing suicide and they feel alone. Every family has something. When I was a kid, we had all of those except for the wealthy people, you know. So growing up, growing up with that kind of a broken spirit and a broken surrounding, it, it reminds me of the way the world is now. And here we are, one little drop in the ocean with the spirit of God living on the inside of us. And we're supposed to make a difference when we step out. And you better believe we do. But in the middle of it, the enemy will come and try to tell us that it doesn't matter. And Paul said it like this in Corinthians We're hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. It's God that orders these kinds of things. You know, when you go to the gym, if anybody does that anymore, I I need to get back there. But it's resistance training that makes you strong. Sitting by the pool doesn't make me strong. I like sitting by the pool way better than resistance training. But resistance training is what's going to make me strong, that I might actually look appealing sitting next to the pool, right? And I actually might feel good in my own self. Are you tracking with me? There are things that must happen and take place so that we don't become so self-absorbed that we do no earthly good here because we are bought with a price. And we should be glorifying God with our bodies. They are his. But Paul said this too, Oh, that I might know him. Listen to this. This is crazy talk. Oh, that I might know him and experience the fellowship of his suffering. Here's an an NIV. It's a little similar. I want to know Christ. Yes. To know the power of his resurrection. Everybody wants that. Everybody wants to know the same God that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in me and quick in my mortal body. Everybody wants that. The power of his resurrection and the participation in his suffering. Becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this. Or have I already arrived at this goal? But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do is I forget what is behind and I strain forward to what is ahead. If you want to know the power of resurrection, you're going to have to endure a crucifixion. You can't have resurrection without crucifixion. You can't come back from the dead unless you experienced death. And these are the things we don't want, but you know what, they make us empathetic leaders, yeah, but also powerful, carrying around this phenomenal cosmic power in a little bitty living space. The power of God working on the inside of me to be able to transform and speak life to somebody. It's incredible. I'm just gonna take you through my week, okay? So Sunday, we had the barbecue and that was fine, it was good. Everybody has this big, great, juicy hamburger, you know. Angie made it. It was so good. And then it starts raining on. It was a little irritating because it just started, you know, you're trying to clean all this stuff up. You got our sandals on. We're slipping around. When somebody hit the light down at the bottom of the stairs and knocked it off. It's like, you've got to be kidding. We've got to fix that, you know. Well, there went our $200 profit, you know. It's just like, wow. It just came and went and as fast as you can think about it. You know, Monday comes and my mom has a procedure. For on her heart. Mom has a couple heart issues. She loves me talking about this too. Everybody's get, just give her a little margin of room around her after church. I'll tell you as much as you need to know right now. She's doing great. Her body received the procedure well, but here's the stuff that happened. So first of all, my phone has been really weird. You know, you your phone, you know, it tells you when it's going to die because it starts doing really goofy things. And so I couldn't, if I was at home, it liked the security of my internet, but anywhere else that I went, it could not function. So, and I just, I'm figuring this out a couple days before this procedure. I set the alarm, doesn't go off, because I got to get up at five o'clock in the morning because we got to be there by 6.30, you know, so I'm not a morning person. I know you don't feel sorry for me. And any, any of you could get up here and tell your own story. I'm just going to do it for us today. And we're going to land in a place where, what do we do even when it hurts? Or what do we do even if there's pain? Because these things are little and they're almost comedic now. And I can see the devil behind the crack in the door now. So I got it. But when you're in the middle of it, it's like it's like being attacked by a swarm of gnats or something. You, know, you can't get away from them. There's just too many. I can't even swat them all away. And all of a sudden they're like bats. And now they're like huge birds. It's like there's so many. So we end up getting to the hospital and it's, it's, if you've ever sat all day waiting for someone that you love to get through a procedure, it's, it brings fatigue on you. Like you, you start to be irritated and it's like, you're really tired and you're uncomfortable and your muscles are tense and you're just like, come on now. And my brother came and sat with me. And, and so, you know, at least I had a little company before he had to go to work. So she comes through the procedure. It's fine. Now we just got to wait for her to wake up. All that's great. So because my alarm didn't go off, I was like, "She called me," and I'm like, "Oh, I'm asleep." I, I, you drive over here, and then we'll go from here. So now her car is at my house. Okay. So when we finally get finished and she can go home the same day, and we drive to her, we drive to her home, and I'm like, "You ready to go up?" She goes, "Oh shoot, my keys are at your house with the car," and I'm like, "Oh shoot." Okay. Well, let's call your leasing agent because she's right here. She can come over and let you in, and I'll we'll get your car and bring it over later. Okay. Where's my phone, she says. Oh, well, did you lose it between the time we put it in the bag and, we, and you went to sleep and now you're here? Because how'd you lose your phone? You know, can't figure it out. She's, yeah, she's still loopy. You know, she's, she doesn't know. I'm like, okay, let's check. Oh, we're taking every single thing out. It's not there. Okay, back to my house. Let's go get your car and get your keys. We get the key. She can't drive yet. Go back to her apartment. We get her inside. That's all fine and good. I, my phone worked at my house. So I could call Scott and say, can you call my mom's phone? Can we figure out where it is? Oh, yeah, it's at the hospital. Oh, that's great. Okay, they have it at the gate. Okay, we'll go back and get it. So now I'm going to have to go back out there and get the phone. You get what I'm saying? One little thing is nothing. One little thing is like, Psh, okay, no big deal. You forgot your key. We'll go We'll figure it out. And, and then this, and then this. And pretty soon it's like, what about the fruit of the spirit? I don't what, what is it again? What is that word? Is it patience? What is that word? Goodness and kindness and love, and joy, and peace. It's like, where are those things? Because you're like, oh, you know. But it's my mom, so of course I don't, I don't, I'm like, it's okay. We'll be fine. Everything's fine. Okay. You know, so we move on. And, you know, in the meantime, this. You know, we finally get her at home. We finally get her settled down. And we get her phone. You know, my daughter comes home from work that way, so she picked it up for us. Didn't have to do the traffic again. I went to Verizon and got another phone. Praise the Lord, you can reach me now. If I, if I ignored any text or call, that was unintentional. Please forgive me, and, and anytime that happens, try to get on Messenger or something. But anyway, so all that settles down. And then we end up just, somebody ran over our sign out here. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Somebody ran, just ran into it. I mean, plowed into it, knocked it off of the bars, you know. And it's just like, oh, okay, all right, that's good. In the meantime, you know, someone very close to me is going through a difficult relationship issue. In the meantime, another family member is going through something excruciating in their own body. It was a shocking report that we got. And then, you know, there's another, another if that just wasn't enough through the week, on Friday night, one of my cousins overdosed and died. 18 or 19 years old. He just graduated high school, has a little baby. We've dedicated the little baby right here on Easter. And it's like, you just, all of a sudden, it's like, okay. Now, I don't know about you or what you do when this stuff comes on you like that, but I figure if I go through stuff like this, you probably do too. And all of a sudden, you're like looking around the room and you're like, can you see me, Lord? Am I okay? You know, because there's only one answer and there's only one place to go. And it made me think of, you know, David was talking last week about how far will you go in your conviction? We had David Paterka here speaking last week. And he was talking about the woman at the well and just, you know, how Jesus went and sat sat there. And I kind of checked when someone says something and it gets my spirit, I like make a little mental note of it. And I even make an actual note because Jesus went and sat at the well after the guys are on the road talking about who's the, gra- who's the greatest of all of us, you know? Jesus has the same thing. I feel, I feel like we know so many things about Jesus, but do we understand that Jesus actually gets frustrated and tired too? You know, I want to introduce us to him if we've never met him before. Because we don't serve a high priest that isn't familiar with what we go through. He walked and lived and had his being here on this earth so that he could know you. And he could know how you feel. Yeah, that we might be acquainted with his sufferings, he surely was acquainted with ours. So he's like, you guys talking about each other and how great you are on the road, did anybody consider me in that mix? No, I, don't, I didn't think so. Why don't you guys go get lunch and give me a minute because I'm going to sit right here by this well. And I feel like this, you know, there's a time where we sit next to a well that makes us more dehydrated than we were when we sat down. Wrong place, wrong conversation, wrong people, wrong internet interaction, wrong TV, wrong coping mechanism. There's only one well that runs that deep, that has a drink, that if we knew who was offering us the drink, we would never die, that we would have eternal life, no matter who dug the well. And so Jesus sat there for a minute. That's what I've been doing. And the last two days have been normal you know i got the news about my cousin on on a saturday but it's like the days when we sit and soak in his presence are the days that we restore it's how we come back if you can think about abraham for a second this is the perfect example these are people that the teachers have been talking about over the last few weeks if you can't remember the teachings from last week the week before and the week before they're on You can go look at them and have a devotion and put yourself into the fold of what we're trying to accomplish here. We're trying to make disciples out of Christians. That when we're walking around in our everyday lives and all hell is breaking loose, and it is because it's coming against you to take you away from your father whose image you're made in. And to distract you from the things that you were intended for and for the things that you are supposed to do and the way that you're supposed to live and move and have your being. It's not God's idea that we should be overwhelmed in our thinking and that we should be cloudy and that we should be in pain. But he will use those things in the middle of a crushing to produce fruit in us for our good. The fruit of the Spirit is his fruit in us. And it's not there just so everybody else can look at you and go, wow, look at how patient they are. Wow, what a marvel at the peace that they carry. No, it's so that you can move and understand that his moving in you is producing that and that he is also the author and finisher. That means when you're going through something difficult, does God write that down in some joyful way that he can watch you suffer? No, but he will order what you need and it will end when you need it to end because he knows what you need and you don't. Not all the time. So Abraham, if you think about him, He is like a boss. I mean, you know, God gives him this word, and it says, Through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And I'm the kind of person, I just so happen to look at the Bible, and when I read a sentence like that, I believe that it's as alive today as it was when it was spoken to Abraham. And I let it fall on my life. Through you, Lisa. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. What if you put your own name in there? Through you, through you, through you. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. And then you look at your life and you go, funny God, that's funny. How is this life going to bless anybody? I can't even bless myself. That's when you come back. I don't think Abraham meant to go into battle after battle. When God said, "I'm going to give you this promised land," because God said He was going to give you the promised land, you're telling me I got to fight all these giants and clean them all out. You think that was Abraham's thinking? Because I don't. I think he thought God was going to give it to him, and God surely did by His own hand. You know, do you think Abraham thought when he was when God was blessing him and his nephew Lot so much that their their possessions had to divide because they had too much? The land couldn't support them. So they divide into two areas. Do you think that Abraham thought that Lot and all of his possessions and all of his people except him and his wife and his kids were going to come out of that? Do you think he, was gonna lo- he-, Do you think he thought he was going to lose all of that to Sodom and Gomorrah? No, I don't think he thought that. God, would you just spare it for, what about everything we did? What about all the nations of the earth? What- this is Father Abraham that we're talking about. I mean, if you can put yourself in the place, I don't even have a son. Well, Hagar's looking pretty good. Oh, Okay, well, do you think that was the plan of God? No, it wasn't the thoughts of Abraham when he set out on it. Just like you, this is how the Bible gets real. It gets real practical. You, if you ever think that romance novels or any kind of like high-energy mystery books are, are good, you should read the Old Testament because it is Freaky wicked and crazy sensual and a lot of stuff going on in there. You're like, this is in the Bible? Are you serious? You know why it's in the Bible? Because we serve a high priest that understands humanity. He understands the gift of God. He understands the purpose of God. And he understands how hard it is. And he understands pain. If anybody understands pain, it's Jesus. He understands pain. I'm pointing all this stuff out to us because I think this, you know, Like, you can go through a storm. Uh, One thing about a storm, it will end. It will stop. In the middle of a storm, you think it's never going to. I mean, a physical storm, thunder and lightning and hail and all the stuff that happens, the wind's blowing. And there might be some debris and there might even be some damage. There might even be a house knocked down. Wind is powerful, rain is powerful, water. A tsunami can wipe out a lot of stuff. But you know what happens after every storm? Life rises up from it. Humanity takes its place again and rebuilds every single time. Every time. There's not one time that something happened that life didn't sustain and rise from it. And this is what the mark of strength actually is. Because when, when this week, you know, I'm looking back at the week that I just had. And there were times that I don't, I'm not much of, a, I'm not really like much at cowering. I'm more a run to the battle, got my slingshot, let's go. You know, I'm more like that kind of a person. I'm sorry I am, though. But it's like I'm more of a, let's just fight it. Let's just get the battle going and get done what we got to get done. But when it's on me, and it's a lot, and I, I do put up my shield, and I do kind of like get behind it and wait for it to be over. And I wrote a couple of practical ideas for us when we're going through a storm because, you know, the strength is when you stand up after it. And you're still here. And every one of you are still here. You have survived every single onslaught that's ever come against you. And you lived. And strength is on your life because you've still been a survivor. You might be bloody. You might be sweaty. You should be. You might be dirty and there might be debris all around you. But you stood up. And there is a strength in that. And you didn't do it in your strength. You did it with the resurrection power of Jesus on the inside lifting you. Come on, man. That's some good preaching right there so during the crushing it's not time to think about the purpose of it just get through it okay don't be trying to make big ideas or big plans you know when he got on a motorcycle this morning i thought are you sure when things are weird and things are off you know the day that jesus said by the well i think things were off i think that was an off day For the disciples in every direction everything that happened that they saw everything they witnessed might have been an off day for jesus we don't know but when it's times like that it's time to sit by the well it's not time to make any big choices or any sudden moves you just got to wait it out just like you do when there's a physical storm you wait for it to pass you assess what happened you stand up you get what i'm saying this is a practical teaching is what i love about our church We're always going to bring something practical that you can grab a hold of, that you can be empowered alongside of your encouragement. When the the storm is over, that's the time you can say, it was good that I was afflicted. During it, it doesn't feel like that. Secondly, resistance makes us stronger. You have to recognize that. Resistance makes you stronger. The hard days make the easy days more full of grace and more full of joy. That's why they're great. If you just live your life and every day is a merry-go-round of of unicorns and rainbows and candy men, you are going to be a brat. you understand? You are not going to be appealing and no one is going to be drawn to the Father because of you. But when you walk through Jesus' affliction and sufferings and you know the power of his resurrection, mm, resistance makes us stronger. Number three, crushing happens to everyone. You're never alone. Everybody goes through it. You know, it just happened to be my week. And why am I telling you? Because usually some debris will get around the shield onto you, even though I'm doing my best to protect. Okay? Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation, no trial, one translation says, has overtaken you except what? What is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted or tried beyond what you can bear. And when you are tempted, he will provide a way out, and you know he does, so that you'll be able to endure it. Number four, and this is a big one, it's the one I want us to take home today, and you can stand up if you want to. You can stand up. We're going to close with this thought right here. Sit next to a well that refreshes you. And the worship team's going to come up here real quick. Because there's, there's a thought about everything we just talked about. A practical application about what to do in the middle of it. Hold on to your hat. Wait for the spirit of God to come and praise him until the miracle comes. And I asked the worship team to finish with this song because this is how I fight my battles. Yeah. This is how I do it. That's not the song we're going to sing. We're going to sing even when it hurts. But listen. This is how we fight our battles. We sit next to a well that refreshes us and we draw strength from the presence of God. He's our maker. We're in fellowship with him and we might go through some hard things, but God is good and he will bring us to a place of deliverance and healing if we trust him. God, I just pray for us in this room. I pray that you look at God, I know you see us and I know that you know us. And I know that you love us, God. We receive it. We receive your goodness this morning. God, would you put your shield of protection around about us? We speak the blood of Jesus over every soul in this room and beyond this room, every soul that is connected to us. God, would you we speak the blood of Jesus in protection? God, we ask you to help us to wield the storm. Help us to figure out what you're doing after the storm passes, God. Help us to see the light at the end of the tunnel. God, we draw close to you. We're sitting next to the well that you are going to bring us a drink from. You always do it, God. God, we're not weak and we're not small. When the song starts out, it says, take these these fainted, fainted heart, these tainted hands. Man, we just give you those things, God. Repentance is the cure for our souls. We're sorry we didn't trust you in the middle of it. We're sorry we lost every bit of the fruit of the Spirit. Father, we come back to you for cleansing, for refreshing, for life, for energy, that the fruit of the Spirit would be part of our lives, God, that we could understand the power of your resurrection, that we're coming out of crucifixion and up out of that grave. Speak life to your people this morning, God. And you guys, as we sing this song, make an altar for yourself. Look. This is a worshiping church. We we love to bear our heart, our soul, and sing these words to Jesus. But nobody standing next to you can help you make your way to heaven. We have one Savior and one Lord, and it's him. Nobody in this room can, can heal you and make you feel alive, but he can. He's the king of every king. So make a little altar. And if you can close your eyes, close your eyes. And if, if you want to lift your hands, do that. If you want to pray and kneel, do it. Get these things before him. This is why the Bible says to cast your care on the Lord because he's the one who cares for you. You can't carry stuff. Stop carrying stuff you don't have to carry. When you get tired, you fight battles you don't even have to fight. He will fight for you. He is your maker. And get this stuff right before God. We love you, God. Thank you for joining us today. Remember to like and follow for the next installment of The Loft Podcast. If you want to be a partner with The Loft, you can give on givelify.com. If you need more information, check us out on Facebook or at theloftgathering.com. And of course, join us 1030 Sunday mornings. Hope you have a great week. Till next time.